Welcome to the Gym Session, brought to you by Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live. It's time to chat all things football with your host, Jimmy Sabo. Hello and welcome to the Gym Session. My name is Jimmy Zabo and I'm here thanks to Sportsmate Mobile, TLA and the Footy Live app. Download the Footy Live app today for all your stats, scores, highlights, opinions and podcasts. What a big round of footy we had at the weekend and we have got an even bigger show today for you. Now, it was tough to watch Richmond at the weekend, I'll be honest. Something that's tougher though was Dennis Armfield every time he took the field and I'm lucky enough to speak to the Carlton Colt figure today. I'll ask him about his career, what he's doing now and what he thinks of the current crop at the Blues. Now, I know what Gordon and Nick think of Carlton. They've been very critical, so I'm keen to ask them what they thought of that win over Fremantle, but not so keen to hear from Nick because he'll tease me about the Tigers for sure. He put a line through them last week, and he's been the happiest I've ever seen him since last Thursday night. Uh, We'll chat about the fallout from that on the Monday review panel on a Tuesday And we'll go through some tweets and emails as well. Before that, though, we have the interview. And before the interview, we've got some puns to sit through. So sit back and enjoy, if that's possible, this wonderful round recap of round 16. It was a night game on Thursday, but that didn't mean there wasn't sunshine. It only took Miller a couple of minutes to make an impact as Alice, who was once at Tigerland, is in Wonderland. Gold Coast finally got a primetime show, but let's be honest, it was Jew. Stuart Jew. The Tigers looked extinct and got bashed up. Hooley's done an ankle and the team's done Dimmer's head in. Other teams may have found a way to stay ahead of the Nan Curvis. Good thing Tigers are getting Uncle Toby back to bring some flavours. They won't even care if they're artificial, as long as, long as he can go back to baking the opposition. Suns by 10 points. Essendon pulled some stringers at the start of the game to get out to a lead, while we all thought Tippers proved us wrong. He kicked a couple, but the Cats clawed their way back into the contest. Jeremy looked like he can run. Kicked three, but now he can't run as he injured his hammy soon after. Tomahawk was a weapon of choice, and there were plenty of danger signs throughout the rest of the afternoon. Pat on the back to Dangerfield and Geelong. Not even the parish could help support the falling bombers. Cats by 41 points. Demons of the past came back to haunt Melbourne as old habits kicked in. A final term of pressure couldn't stop them from being gone as Green meant go and Kelly's gang robbed the D's of top spot on the ladder. Maybe the sleeping giant is ready to rise. It could just be the tip of the Himmelberg. Nobody saw it, Isaac coming. GWS by nine points. Fans may have gone the early crows on Saturday afternoon, but the Lions proved a real pain in the neck for Taylor Walker. He came off in the second term while Brisbane turned up the heat. Jared celebrated his 150th against his old side with the new Lions. And while Adelaide got rid of him years ago, they could never afford to be released on Bailey. He was great and Robertson had a long Mitch session, making his feelings known. There were so many good performers for Brisbane, but we'd like to vote for Lincoln. He kicked four. Lions by 52 points. There was no Fremantle doctor blowing a gale at the G, but they might need a Fremantle optometrist after the wayward accuracy that cost them the game. The Blues were good, though, and have started to realise the time is down. Paddy's playing well, and you'd be a brave man to bets against him. Five returned, but could he make a difference? At this time, Harry is back being a wizard. Carlton by 16 points. The party was silks, but it felt as smooth as Velcro for the Hawks. The power were hoping they could keep the lights on all game, but the mental bill became too expensive as Burgoyne's best war pal tried to help out a mate. Wine's too strong, and a sparkly finish from Connor Rose. <laughs> Port were first to arrive and last to leave. Too bad they had to take a boke back. 
Port Adelaide by 34 points. Buddy held for the Eagles as there were danger signs at every turn. GMHBA is a Geelong way back from Perth, and West Coast got even further away from their goals. It was an absolute training drill for Sydney, who left Nick Knapp with a huge hickey. He couldn't hide it as the rest of his team weren't clever enough for Smarty Amarty. That was a harassment. Everyone is waiting for Simpson's new season, if it even comes. Sydney by 92 points. Cold Pies took three quarters to warm up on Sunday as St Kilda gave them baths. They also imposed a ring of steel through the midfield as Jack was a ripper and Collingwood couldn't make it up the hill. They all thought Brad was a potato, <laughs> but he mashed Collingwood's Chris Main culprits and had the game won by three-quarter time. Rats, maybe they're out of time. But if we pray to the Saints, possibly finals are still a chance. St Kilda by nine points. In the final game of the round, the Roos looked out of their Waitman division, but ended up implanting a Cunningham plan. It was a hop in the right direction for the Kangaroos, but Luke Beveridge's men sniffed out enough goals to end the round as top dogs. North fans thought they had a chance before the final turn, but had to watch Wallace and vomit. He kicked three. The Bulldogs by 29 points. Okay, today's guest is a Carlton cult hero who played with a passion and determination that saw him notch up 145 games with the Navy Blues and take home the best clubman and spirit of Carlton awards for his dedication to his team. Not only did his on-field brilliance win football fans over, his work off-field won him admirers around the country. With the Jim Stein's Community Leadership Award for his ambassador and volunteer work and the help he's provided through the organisations of Elephant & Co and the Business Fight Club, this man is truly respected, admired and greatly appreciated shattered throughout the community. It is my great pleasure to welcome Mr. Dennis Armfield to the gym session. How are you, Dennis? Good, mate. Yeah, thanks for that intro. Um, yeah, my head swells a little bit bigger when I hear that. But um, no, nah, look, mate, I'm just an everyday person doing an everyday thing and pretty lucky that I could kick a footy and, and you know, help others out. And I think um, every single one of us does their little part will be a better place, that's for sure. No, you're doing a great job, mate. And from the outside, there, there's probably three main things I think that uh, you've been able to bring from your footy career to life post-footy. So your strong work ethic, uh, your love of helping others and your moustache. Um, how often do Carlton supporters come up to you in the street and tell you how much they love you? Because you're very, you're a big admired cult figure at the club. Um, yeah, look, mate, it's, it's a pretty, um, you know, you're sort of surreal moment when people come up to you and the, you know, and I'm a long way washed up now, mate, you know, four years, I think out of the game, 2017, what are we 21 now? So, um, you know, to still get people recognize me, I think it's to do with probably the mo and the long hair at the moment, but, um, you know, it is a very, um, humbling experience and, you know, something that I'll, I'll never take for granted. Um, but, you know, like I say to yourself and all your listeners and everyone else out there, I'm just a, regular bloke that come up and say good day is as long as you've got something nice to say i've got all the time in the world for you um if you've got something constructive well i'll listen but then i'll probably walk away and tell you where to go so um now nah, look it's um look i'm very lucky for where i come from and and what i've done and um you know very grateful for the amount of supporters that i had along the way and um you know most of them blue baggers um yeah and uh, you know you don't forget where you come from that's for sure it looks like you transitioned well um, post-footy and you've become successful in the business world. You're coaching as well. I think you're still playing local footy for the Sharks. You're a father as well. Can you explain what life is like for you at the, at the moment? 
Yeah, look, I was transitioning really well and probably until COVID hit and that sort of hurt the business a little bit, um, maybe sort of pivot a little bit, but, you know, that's the joys of life. It's, you know, you've got to embrace change. Um, but, yeah, life after footy, you know, my last, you know, year or two, I was fortunate enough to realise how important um, connection and um, networking and all that is and I was very lucky to meet some great people through, you know, Carlton Football Club and external as well and to branch out into helping people in their their mental and physical well-being and um, Elephant and Co was something that was really great and then you know COVID hit and businesses and small businesses sort of got uh, yeah hit pretty hard as as they still are to this day so fortunate enough through networks again that you know I've picked up a role now as the um, head of the sports academy at um, Heathmont College so you know being able to now pass my oh what's there anyway my knowledge onto these young kids that want to aspire to be you know top of their sports is is something that's very exciting as well and um yeah like you said a little girl now which is is something to I'm very very uh proud of but also learning on the on the go and lack of sleep is something that I uh have soon gotten used to um but you know that's all I guess supported by a great wife as well who um allows me to pursue my passions and where I want to go and, um, and vice versa. So I think, you know, it's always good to have a great team around you. Mm. And when did you actually start thinking about life post footy? Because I've spoken to a few past players who said they didn't really start to think about it that much till towards the end. And even then they weren't educated enough to know how to network the right way. Well, when did you start? Because you've always been, I think you were voted one of the smartest people at the club. You had a business mind. You were always thinking about the future. Was it early on or, or later on in, in your career? Um, for me, it was probably, again, probably too late. Um, I was slightly earlier than most. You know, I was probably my last two or three years. Look, I was someone that um, wasn't blessed with these long contracts that go around these days. You know, I was probably year in, year out. You know, when you're under six foot and you're a little fella, you don't probably get these big contracts unless you're a superstar. And, um, you know, I was sort of always on the edge, uh, which I think I'm grateful for because it never let me get comfortable and I like being um uncomfortable I think that's always a good spot to put yourself in and um but yeah I was always someone that's you know through my community work always got to meet people was always networking always never with a agenda just to just to meet people you know I've made some lifelong friends that are networks now that are business people or sports people or you know entrepreneurs community workers you name it you know and I was always fortunate enough to have that mindset of, of trying to network and, you know, you sort of said they're doing it the right way. Well, I think if it comes from a place of, you know, of genuine, you're, um, you, you're doing it the right way. I think at the moment people view networking as what can I get out of you? Where sometimes it's like, what can I give you? And I think if we can have that mindset um, and it might only be time, it might only be a conversation. It might not be experience or expertise, but um I was fortunate enough to start a little bit earlier than most, but I still think um, if I had my time again, mate, I would have went to as many things as possible um, from the day I walked into that Carlton Football Club because not because I'm desperate for a job or desperate for this or, um, you know, a new car from Hyundai. It's more about the the fact that it's just um, the world's a place where, yeah, the better, bigger the team, the better the team you can have around you. I think the stronger position you're in. And, um, yeah, I'm very lucky that I've got some great people around me, um, mentors and a wife, I guess, and um, family and friends that, you know, push me, but also put their arms around me when I need it. 
Well, you said you, you would have liked to start earlier. Would you have liked to start thinking about footy earlier? Because you thought about it pretty late. You were born in Canberra. You moved to WA when you were about six, I think, and you play rugby union. It's incredible. At 17, you started playing footy and you make the AFL. How, how, how did that come about? Yeah, look, um, I'm pretty lucky that I've probably got a pretty, I wouldn't say strict, but a pretty pushing father that, um, you know, wanted to, knew I had skills and wanted me to get the best out of me. And, you know, that's always been his learning to me is, you know, do your best at everything you can. And um, if you win, you win. If you don't, you don't, as long as you can hold your head up and do your, do your best. And um, yeah, look, I love rugby. I probably still love rugby more to this day. It sounds weird to say that. Um, I probably watch more rugby now than I do football. Um, But it's, uh, yeah, look, I I think, look, everything happens for a reason. And I think if I started earlier, I don't know where I would have been if I, started later I don't know where I would have been um it just so happened to sort of not fall in my lap I did a lot of hard work but um it just so happened that you know I missed out a couple of times in the draft and um I was a pretty eager determined dedicated young man and um I'm pretty proud of myself for that and yeah to get finally a chance you know then that was the beginning and it all started again so um yeah look when you asked would I like to have started my football journey earlier Probably. I'd probably be more skillful and maybe still in the system. That'd be pretty handy. But um, no, look, I'm very grateful for the path that I've led so far. That's for sure. Yeah, you mentioned that you you missed out on two drafts. So the the time you did get drafted, you were at pre-season training, weren't you? And and did somebody yell out, you've been picked up by Geelong as as a joke and you you thought you'd you'd gone there? Yeah, pick um, pick 19, I think it was. Uh, It was actually, uh, was it? Harry Taylor, maybe, I think he went. Um, yeah, no, someone, I was in the, uh, we were doing beach recovery and um, yeah, someone, I got out of the water and someone said, congratulations, pick 19. I think it was to Geelong anyway. And um, I sort of started to get pretty chuffed and then he was like, no, I'm only joking, mates. And then um, about, yeah, I don't know what it is, half an hour, an hour later, mm-hmm. they get to pick 46 and yell it out. And I told him to, uh, I probably said some words that I probably wouldn't say on this, mate. Um, and then about, yeah, 10 minutes later, I had about three missed calls from this number. And I was like, who's this? Um, so I answered the fourth time they called. And yeah, it was um, Greg Swan, CEO of Carlton, welcomed me to the club. And I was sort of, wow, this is actually real. And yeah, two days later, I was on a flight. And here I still am in Melbourne to this day. Yeah, incredible. Incredible. And you, you were, so you're 20 years old. You were, um, you know, still young, but not, not like an 18 year old. Yeah, mature. You had to yeah. go on the, the other side of Australia. Um, you're walking in, I think it's the same year as Chris Judd uh, comes to Carlton as well. What, what was the culture like? And I know you've said that Juddy changed it a bit, but it's a very proud club. You're walking into a new environment. How was it to walk into Carlton? We'll be back after a quick break. Oh, look, mate, it was pretty surreal. I um, 
I won't lie, I wasn't a massive football fan growing up, obviously being a rugby boy. So I didn't know a hell of a lot about the monstrosity and the hugeness of, uh, you know, Carlton Football Club, how big it was. And when I walked in, I remember meeting Rod Ashman. He was the PDM at the time and, um, you know, didn't know anything about Rod Ashman. And then you soon learn about him and what who he was amongst the club and the history. And then, you know, you walked into the old change rooms and photos and pictures and we got given this big holy grail bible of Carlton Football Club and it was pretty surreal when I was pretty big on culture I I still am to this day and so I really invested and looked up and learnt and you know the culture was huge the fans you know Ligon Street and that area and all of that was it was massive and um, you just knew that you're at a place now where you know what the expectation's pretty high Um, they want to push you and, and you should be privileged to be in this place. And I, I took that and, um, you know, obviously Chris sort of probably changed a few of our off-field cultures and just in, introduced new things and a new way. Um, and, you know, boys really took to that. And, um, yeah, we started to get going and, you know, Rats obviously coming in new and Justin Cordy as, a, you know, the high-performance manager back then, you know, things just sort of took a really good shape and, I was like, welcome to the club. And um, yeah, we went bang and uh, yeah, it was exciting and, and really, really fun and a, a great 10 years, that's for sure. Mm, your first game around 10, 2008, you played well from a personal perspective. It was, it was brilliant. 23 possessions. You made a mark straight away. You're actually supposed to um, play two weeks earlier though, weren't you? And, and back at home in, in Perth. Yeah. I, um, I got told one game that, uh, look, just get through, you'll play next week back home. And I actually went out and tore my doctor and was out for two weeks. Um, but I think things again, you know, good mate of mine, Davey Ellard got to debut that week. And I think he was, you know, it was super to watch him play. You know, we grew up, we're both Swan districts boys and to see him run out at home, um, a well-deserved bloke and you know I couldn't be more proud and um you know upset that it wasn't me but you know it's a good mate that's out there and you know pat him on the back and well-deserved too and yeah fortunate enough to play my debut against well not fortunate enough because Geelong we came on up against a bit of a flogging um I thought the game was pretty easy walked off the ground with 23 touches and I think I beat it once more for my career so um yeah look I, I soon uh, realized that this game can eat you up and spit you out if you're not uh ready to work hard and do put in the effort. Mm. Well, 2009, 10, 11, you make the finals and they're heartbreaking losses. I don't want to, I feel bad for bringing it up. Yeah, thanks, man. That, uh, that 2011 season though, that was the one that when I speak to my Carlton mates and they say that was the year we really felt from the outside that we could go all the way. Was that the belief internally as well? Because I know you had the, the pre, if you won that game, you go prelim against Geelong and you'd beaten them, I think, in the season, so you didn't fear them. Was that the one that still hurts a little bit more? Oh, look, mate, a few hurt. You know, I know <laughs> against Sydney, I cost us with holding the ball, and th- and that one hurts a little bit. You hold on to that for uh, a long, long time. I'm, I'm one of those people. But, yeah, look, we go against West Coast, and, um, yeah, we were, what, three points away from playing a prelim, which I think we were pretty confident in. Um, and, um, yeah, it's probably the – not the one that got away because things happen, mate. And look, West Coast deservedly beat us and, and that's the end of the day. But um, yeah, we were thereabouts and always thereabouts. And, you know, we, you know, I look at my first finals campaign of Brisbane, you know, we're up by 30 points and then we let that slip, you know. Um, Sydney had the wood on us both years that we played finals as well. So that was another disappointing thing. But, you know, they were a pretty strong powerhouse then too. So, yeah, you sort of, um, 
you look back on it when you're retired and you go far out if only we, I could find 5% more or 3% more or 1% more. And But, you know, hindsight's a lovely thing and if we could all do it, it would be a, a different place, mate. But, yeah, it's um, few and far between and, you know, 1995 is a long time ago and yeah. without, without being rude, mate, I'm sick of living in the past. I'd love to see some uh, some current day success for that football club and I would have loved to have been part of it, but yeah. hopefully soon, mate, hopefully soon. Yeah, no doubt. You just mentioned there that it still it still hurts you. I mean, you can't blame yourself for that holding the ball. There were so many moments in every game. It's not one moment, but does it actually hurt you still? Or when you it affects you when you're watching the footy, you're reminded of it often. Oh, mate, if I ever speak to Trent Dennis Lane, I'm always flat as a tack. But um, look, I know it's not my fault, and I'm not someone that holds me to like to blame. But yeah, you know, yeah. I am a passionate man, and I. You know, I do look at little things and little moments that can change or alter a game, and that was one of them. I'm not going to lie. Um, do I hold on to it and not sleep at night? No, not a, not at all. But do I still sit there and you know, I, I tease myself just as much as those mate, those others. So look, it's it is what it is. And you know, t- two minutes later, I took the game on again to get us a driving game forward. So you know, that's I live and die by my sword. I wasn't the most skillful player, but I gave it a hundred percent and sometimes it doesn't come off and you live and die by that. And sometimes it does, mate. So it is what it is. Yep. An exciting moment though for Carlton was the 2013, that final against Richmond and that third quarter was unbelievable. What about that experience? Was that, I know you had a big uh, final against Essendon. Was was the Richmond one a a bigger, a better feeling? I mean, it was a packed house. It was incredible. You finished ninth and then you're, you're playing finals. Yeah, look, to sort of get told you're not in a finals campaign and then you are because of uh, a saga that goes on um, yeah. around you, it's it's pretty, yeah, you sort of feel like you're right oh, free crack and let's go for it. And I remember running out, obviously, you know, the Essendon win was super as well, the final there, but you run out against, you know, I remember their drums. They played these drums on the sidelines in the warm-up and I was like, this is unbelievable. This, um, the, you know, two big powerhouse clubs going at it, you know, we're the underdogs. It's a home final for Richmond. It's it's pretty loud and pretty boisterous and some things were getting thrown over the field that you sort of, oh, okay, I'm, I'm here to play now. And um, yeah, the way it sort of panned out too was, uh, you know, they sort of got the jump on us and and then any, anyway, I think the judge show stepped up and away we went. And um, yeah, look, to win that, you know, is, is surreal. But, you know, back then you sort of think was that, did we play our grand final then? And then we went on to deliver what we delivered the next week. So, you know, you look at it and you sort of, again, you look back, but yeah, look, these are memories. I'll never forget those finals, but you know, there's one-off games too and milestone games that I'll never forget that, um, you know, mean the world to me. And if I'm honest, mate, every game I played was something that uh, meant the world to me. So, you know, I wish I just got to 150. I wish um, rats didn't rest me so much when I was young and a few injuries didn't happen, but um, it is what it is. Yeah, one of those those big games that I remember, I don't know where this sits for you, but round 16, 2016, you kicked uh, four, uh, th- three goals from outside 50 in the first term that game. Yeah, Adelaide. Uh, yeah, against yeah. Adelaide. And I think you're the only seventh player since 2000 to achieve that. And you had you had a really bad injury. It hurts me even to mention it, but to, like a few weeks before, and you come back, that's your first game back and you do that. How is that possible? Yeah, look, mate, I was running around with a box in, like yeah. a cricket box in. So, uh, yeah, look, it was um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It was just it was just there for me that day. Um, you know, it's probably a game that a lot of people still talk about and remember me for. Um, but yeah, again, mate, I, I I just go out there to do my job and and play the best I can, and you know, right spot at the right time. Fortunately, that week, and you know, you go out the next week and couldn't get anywhere near it. So it's uh, that's the love of football. But yeah, look, that's a, another you know you know proud moment to sort of come back from the injury that I sustained and and do what I did and you know, play my part for the club and play my part for the team that day. And, you know, like I said, it's, um, yeah, I remember a lot of my games. I don't remember a lot of them either because, you know, obviously uh, you don't, you get caught up in the bubble and sometimes things just pass you by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bit of a blur. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a few coaches in your time. It was your Rats and Malthouse. Barker was there as well, Brendan Bolton. Who, who would you say had the biggest influence on you? I know they all had an influence, but who, mm-hmm. which one had the biggest one on you? Um, probably as most Carlton fans would probably not want to hear this, but I, I think Malthouse, um, Rats obviously early days was super. Um, he just gave me a license. He had his, had super faith in me and taught me so much. And, um, but I think I sort of got to the age where I was still a young fellow with rats and I sort of, once Mick came, I sort of felt like I was not part of the furniture cause I was still in and out of the side, but I felt like I could, focus on club things as well as just the footy things and um as cliche or you know as weird as this sounds I think Mick's black and whiteness just um really worked well with me he told me when you were no good and he told you when you were good and you knew where you stood exactly and I think that was something that I really thrived on um others not so much but I felt like um yeah I just I was someone that was there that Hey mate, tell me when I'm bad. Tell me when I'm good, and let me either work on it or celebrate it, please. Um, I wasn't someone for this grey area of I'm working on this. What do I need to do, coach? It's just like just tell me. I'm old school. I'm I'm not like these millennials these days. Just just whack me between the eyes and tell me. Um, and then look again. Look, I had a really good patch on the barks too, because obviously as an interim coach, he come in and just let this let us play and that sort of freed my mind a little bit too. So, uh, yeah, I was grateful for that. And then I think under Bolts, unfortunately, I was probably under the the banner of we're going down the youth policy and you're closer to 30 than, um, than the young age. And I think I was probably a, a victim of that, if I'm honest. I'm not playing the poor me card, but, um, you know, I remember games where, I was still playing really, really well in the twos, but wasn't getting a look in, which is which is fine because you see these players now that have gone on to to play some great footy, and you know that's also great to see as well. What's what would be next for you, Dennis? Because I know you're a, you're a goal setter and you like your coaching. Um, do you do you have anything set out for yourself to achieve? Um, look, mate. Obviously, playing and coaching at Parkwoodies in the AFNL at the moment um, is something that I've really enjoyed. Um, I'm learning so much about myself and my coaching philosophies, and and um, my good and bad things. And being a player and a coach, as as you sort of said in your intro, I was a pretty passionate player. And sometimes I've got to uh, take a deep breath as a coach because I can. Um, yeah, you got to be a bit more constructive as a coach. Yeah. Um, I'm currently doing my level three with which is something I'm, I'm really enjoying, um, you know, networking with other coaches, picking their brains and seeing what's out there. And, um, you know, I had a good taste at AFLW landscape with both Carlton as a development coach and then North Melbourne as a senior assistant coach. And, you know, I think I've got some really good 
skill sets to fit into that women's football as well. Um, so for me, mate, look, my goals at the moment is just to become a better coach, learn as much, grow as much as I can um, and see where the world takes me. I, I, you know, I always love to get back to the old faithful blue baggers, mate, but I know there's a bigger, bigger world out there. And um, yeah, look, it's just about when the opportunity comes, making sure you jump in all guns blazing, ready to go. Yeah. So AFL coaching is not out of the question then. Yeah, look, I don't know if I'd want to be a senior coach these days with the amount of work and the amount of pressure they're under. Yeah. But um, look, um, I'm someone that I, I think I thrive in in pressure situations. And um, yeah. yeah, look, it's probably an aspiration of mine to, you know, to get to, I've always had a philosophy in life to push yourself to be at the best level that you can be. And um, now at a coaching perspective, it's it's probably that as well. It's get to the best level you can be. If it is park orchards, it is park orchards. Make sure you do a good job if it's, a higher level, I'll um, take it with both arms, mate, and um, give it all I've got, that's for sure. Yeah, good, mate. I With all my guests, I asked 10 quick questions at the end, uh, but I wanted to, just before we get to that, because my Blues mates, they want to know what your current thoughts on, on the crop is, and I know you've spoken about Teague in the past. I think you've said you've liked the way, well, at least last year, he gave the players more freedom mm. to play on instinct and that sort of thing. This season, it seems like they haven't met expectations, at least externally, What's your what's your current thoughts on on the crop at Carlton, and is there success coming in the near future? Future. Look, I think the uh, the list that they've got's a super list. You know, they've gone out and got some great talent, brought in some great young kids. You know, what Walsh is doing is phenomenal. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I sit there and go, I'm in awe of this young kid. Um, I you know my T. You know, this whole review, I think, give the man a chance. He's had a COVID year. He's had a year where we're still probably affected by COVID now, and. Um, you know, I enjoy the way that he's allowing people to play off instincts. I think that's tightened up a little bit now because of um, the pressures that he's under, and I could I could only imagine. Um, the one thing for me where I think we still battle a little bit is just the role players. I think we've got a team full of blokes that want to be a superstar, and I don't think we have the blokes that want to be just the role players anymore, and I think that's something that um, – yeah, we lack a little bit. Um, I love the club and, uh, you know, I don't like to take anything negative about it, but, you know, you look across the board and besides probably a Jonesy and, a, and maybe an Ed Kerno, um, everyone else is a, a ball wanting, um, you know, and, and probably Levi as well. You know, everyone else is sort of wanting to be the the, the superstar and, and be the match winner necessarily. And I think sometimes that can go against the, the grain too. And I'm not saying that the other players aren't super or what they do isn't important. I'm just more meaning, I think sometimes you just need those role players and um, I'd love to see a few more of those come into the club. And I think they're starting to breed those, which is great and exciting. And I think st- some of the older boys are starting to play those roles. Um, you know, weedering, stepping up's phenomenal. Like I get excited watching the boys. I um, I sit there now and go, there's no way. I can't believe I used to play that. It's unbelievably quick. They're unbelievably super freaky athletes. The skill level, the, you know, it's it's phenomenal. You know, Big H, when I left, I thought he'd never get off the injury, you know, park. But here he is now doing great things. And, yeah, look, it's, it's exciting. I think we're not far off. You know, it's it's just about it all connecting. And I think at the moment, as a fan, you can probably see it connecting for three quarters and we're losing one quarter and that's probably the one part that's hurting us. And, you know, I'm, I'm super excited by Teague and the group that he's got, um, the club's in the right spot. It's going right places. And we'll soon find out what this internal review shows, mates, and uh, what will be will be. But, yeah, look, I'm one's a blue bagger, mate, always a blue bagger. 
That's it, mate. They'll love to hear that. I love your passion, and that's why they love you as well. Ten quick questions, Dennis. First thing that pops into your head, all right? Oh, good luck. Oh, sorry, sorry to advance. <laughs> good at this, mate. Oh, favorite food? Uh, Sunday roast. Nice. Favorite teammate of all time? Oh, far out. This is gonna be. Uh, I'll probably say Aaron Joseph. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. Your favorite movie? Um, Sandlot Kids. Oh yeah. Watched that at school. That was good. <laughs> Favorite quote? Um, yeah, quotes is an interesting one. Um, look, I remember it from a young kid, and I'll probably go with it. It's probably not my favorite, but it's just something that I've always lived by. Is pain is just weakness leaving the body. So that's um, something that I've always sort of lived by, and probably to my stupidity and my detriment, that sometimes <laughs> it's not the right thing to, to live by. But anyway. Ah, good one. Uh, your favorite alcoholic drink? I'm not a massive alcohol man, but I'll just go a Carlton draft, mate. Off the top. Yep. If you had a time machine and could go back to any sporting event in history, where would you go? Oh. Wow, any event. Um, look, I'm a massive 90, uh, 49ers fan in the NFL, and I'd probably go back to the Super Bowls that they won. So, yeah, I'd be heading back there. Yeah, nice. All right. Uh, other than Carlton, if you could be head coach of any team, who would it be? I know you really, you said you didn't want to be a head coach, but if you had to be, what team would you pick? Uh, look, I'll go North Melbourne because I guess I grew up as a North Melbourne fan and, and my dad still goes for North Melbourne, even though I played for North Melbourne. So, uh, yeah, that'd be a cool thing to sort of tick off for your, for your family. Yeah, nice. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Um, look, I love Australia. I think um, it's a great place. It probably... If I could take Melbourne and put it on the nice sunny coast, it would be a great spot. But, um, yeah, somewhere with a little bit more sun. So, um, yeah, Byron Bay or somewhere up there. Byron Bay's good. Uh, what makes you angry? A lot of things. <laughs> um, just rude, rude people. People that are stuck in their own world and don't care about those around them. Okay. If you could recruit any current player to Carlton in the AFL, who would it be? Oh, wow trying to think now there's, there's a fair few good players running around um, look I'll, I'll go with who's probably the best footy player at the moment and that's the big bond I think um, yeah you know he'll look good in any sort of side I think um, you know you don't say no to a hard running 190 plus centimetre midfielder that can play forward and clunk it as well so uh, yeah I think he'd be pretty nice in a blues jumper yeah brilliant perfect mate the perfect 10 Dennis I can't thank you enough for coming on mate I, I truly admire you as a player you were superb you were tough at it and that's what I loved about you and off the field you're doing great things mate so I really appreciate your time and I, I hope people got the message out there today no thanks for having me mate and um, yeah appreciate your patience I know we've been trying to work on this for a while and yeah, no. um, I do thank you for that and yeah look keep going the baggers hey and everyone stick fat we'll uh, we'll turn it around and look we're only technically one game out of the eight so hey, we're, we're still a chance mate we're still a chance that's it mate perfect all right you have a good one mate you too mate catch ya race is on here and look at the pace of armfield he left bunting flat-footed oh! has he kept it in he has kept it in this might bring the roof down armfield wonderful goal good Dennis. yeah again he knows how to get to the right spot we never played better more consistent footy than this year, and again, it looks like a fine oh. strike. Oh. He's the menace at the moment. Yeah, Give the kick to Dennis. <laughs> right, so behind right behind him, and the Carlton fans are right behind him. Once, twice, three times. Oh, look at that. Yes! <laughs> He's the master blaster! 
All right, here we go, fellas. Time for my second favourite part of the show. We get to talk about the round that was, and it wasn't a good round for me, Nico. You know that because you're smirking and smiling because the Tigers lost. But there was a lot of footy that was played, a lot of good things that happened, a lot of bad things that happened. And uh, one of the good things, though, was that chat with Dennis Armfield. I enjoyed that. Did you enjoy it, Gordo? Oh, yeah, it sounds like a good chat. Yeah. No, it was fantastic. He's a good man. Uh, Nico's not the best man, but how are you today, Nico? Been teasing me all week. I'm very good, Jimmy. I was great on Thursday night. I were. slept like a baby after that brilliant <laughs> performance from the Gold Coast Suns. Nothing made me happier. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Okay, we'll talk about it later. Gordo, you're doing well. I'm always doing well, mate, and always great to talk some footy on a Tuesday. That's right. Give me your hero from the weekend. Well, Jimmy, speaking of the Suns, oh no, it was Took Miller. <laughs> No, nah, it's fair. He's enough. a gun. That's fair. He, now he's, he's been a, my hero this year too. He has yeah. been your hero, and I feel like Let's we've been the only people there. that have got behind Took Miller because really, he's I know he plays for the Gold Coast Suns, and yeah. that's a grave land where you know football goes to die, and no one really cares. And it took them a while, didn't it? It took to them get, a long time to, to give uh, Miller his due, but mm-hmm. they did just that this weekend: thirty-six disposals against the Tigers. But it's not just the the super coach scores and stats that matter; it's about what he did on the impact of his game. And all year, he's been a person that's had. A Showed extremely high standards, mm-hmm. extremely team-based and team-focused attitudes. Correct. He's kind of been like their their life. But if there's one person we want to like replicate another 17 times to give you a perfect football team up there on the Gold mm. Coast, Took Miller with a couple of tools. He's a running machine. Good. He is That's a what running I love machine. about him. Gut I machine him. too. Yeah. That's and it. we've been speaking about him all year, but the reason everybody's speaking about him now is because the Suns got a blockbuster game finally. Exactly. And good. I mean, it's sad, really. That it takes a block a blockbuster game to, to really notice, but that's yeah. what happens when you play for a club like that. Now they've been given opportunities in the past, only a couple opportunities, mm-hmm. I must say, but they haven't lived up to them. They they did everything they could on Thursday night. They invited the cameras into the rooms pre-game. They made it known that this was a massive, massive clash for them, mm. and they played extremely well. They out Richmond, Richmond, Richmond were pathetic. They were. I've got. There's no. I can't say anything about it, Nick. But it was good from them, and he was a good hero. He deserved that. Gordo, yep. thanks for bringing it up. No worries, Nico. Who was your hero? My hero was Darcy Parish. <laughs> it's not. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't usually praise Essendon players. You so don't, this is, especially you know, when they lose. You should be recording this. Yeah, oh, you are recording it. <laughs> but he's been my most improved player this season, <laughs> yes. um, and he has to be considered for the Brownlow as well. I mean. Everyone will already be aware of his stats from Friday night, but I'll go through them again Mm. just to give everyone who doesn't know context. He had 43 disposals and a goal. Mm -hmm. 28 of them were contested. Contested. 28 of his 43 contested. And 900 metres gain, 908. So I think the record, and I could be wrong with this, I think it's Heath Shaw with 1,100 in 2016. So, yeah, I mean, Parrish. I doubt you're wrong. I could be wrong. I doubt you're wrong. I think you looked it up just before and you're right. It's true. Okay. No, I'm just saying I don't know if there was any uh, ones of late that I'm aware of. But no, you've got it. 908 was what he gained. And to, to think that he did that with 28 contested disposals, like contested you think aren't going to be, you know, long kicks or running with the yeah. ball. So it's- He's broken it's a, out of packs, hasn't he? That's it. Speaking of packs, he had 13 clearances, eight from the centre- 15 inside 50s, so he's just damaging. They mm. spoke about on Friday night, every time he gets the ball, he, he, 
he's noticeable. It's not yep. like he's getting the cheap handballs. Like yeah, he's noticeable. The, bl- the blonde hair, especially, and the yeah, the bright boots and all that. So, uh, yeah, you notice when he has the ball and he didn't give away a free kick. So, yeah, it was it was just a professional effort from a twenty three year old. 23-year-old, and it was his third best-on-ground award for the season. Yeah, the marquee man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. The Tom Wills Award he took home for the yeah. annual country game. He's also taken home the Anzac Medal yep. and the Dreamtime Game Award as well. Yep. So, And all and three were in a losing side. Correct, in a yeah. losing side. So what's the issue then at Essendon? If they have this absolute superstar who's breaking records, getting 40 touches... You know, they keep we keep telling all year that you know Eston's on the build. Eston's looking great. They play a sexy style of football. Hey, they they got a, done by forty one yeah, points. They played a good side. Hey, it was just like Groundhog Day, wasn't it? Watching them bomb the ball into the fifty to nobody. Mm. And Hooker hasn't. I don't think, I think he's kicked one goal in three weeks. It's going to come. I don't think it's like people are ang- angry and upset about Essendon, but I mean, and I'm not angry or upset. Yeah. I just yeah, think no, that you they seem get, like you are. they but get, you really I'm really angry and upset like about are. the fact that we, we pick and choose which clubs we hold to account. I know, and which but to, clubs to we be don't. fair, we didn't have Essendon in our top eight this year, and that's what they're pushing they're for now. Lose, so they are. But no, but there building. are people, there are people on, on the bandwagon saying they're going to make it, you know, there's a spot in the eight for them now. Like, yeah. No, there's no spot there. No, but yeah, what, what Richmond are making that top that top eight? So <laughs> just cool your jets, people. Sorry, just to finish on Parrish as well. Yes. Um, being the most improved player of the season, he is. I just wanted to touch on a couple of stats that he, oh, more stats. Yeah, more just stats. A, just a couple no, more super coach stats. So this or some no, no, no real ones. Real ones. He's averaging thirty two disposals this year and okay. eight clearances. Right, yeah, super stage stats. Yeah. Yeah. So pre- his previous best for disposals is 21 so he's up 11 disposals and that was in his second year so it was a few years back um his previous best for clearances was also four so he's doubled that Mm. and before this year he's only ever recorded over 30 disposals twice that's because rutten's chucked him in the guts and has faith in him. well that's it and Mm. friday night was his third game over 40 disposals this year and he's had five already over 35 disposals and how many of those uh those massive disposal games has Essendon won. Well, that's it. Probably but I guess lot, it doesn't but matter. But well, he's still I think it carrying does because the I think we've seen a history. We see a history and a trend of of teams in the lower half of the ladder having star players, which which they do, and this happened with Carlton and Cripps in the earlier days, yeah. and they don't have the result because they're the only they're the player that takes up like really. Unless you're a side that mass like massively collects uh, possessions, there's usually 350 possessions in a game, Someone's and, then, still and someone it. has to go get them. But if yeah. he, but if you have, if the better teams like Geelong had players getting in the 20, high 20s, low 30s, and there was there was five or six of them as opposed yeah, but to I would, I would someone getting that, 40. Of. I would argue that a lot of those mm. unexpected wins have come off the back of his work as well, and they've been mm. closer in contests because of him. I don't know. I'm not, saying, is, no, is I'm, not, I'm not saying that he's a bad player, and I'm not saying he shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be lauded because he should. He's obviously exactly one of their best, if not We're their best player this year. We're just trying to celebrate one of these players and go to his gun and say, oh, so what? I just think sometimes we get we get sold into the into the counting stats too much. Like I reckon arguably Dangerfield was the more important player on that night than than Parish, but Ooh. yeah, well, that's that's a good argument. He probably was, to be honest. Um, all right, Mister Positivity, yeah. uh, what was your highlight? <laughs> My <laughs> on a dark weekend, apparently. <laughs> dark weekend for football, <laughs> a giant upset. Yeah. Which keeps the season alive. Oh, three or four, man, Leon Cameron. Three or four weeks ago, we had you know, oh, if Melbourne won this, Melbourne just give Melbourne the cup. Now Melbourne might miss the fall. 
yeah, it's all, it's all happening. If you, if you lose it. Hey, it's amazing actually, what a loss can do. Actually, if you look back, remember when we read out the the upcoming fixture halfway through the season and we said mm. Melbourne has got the toughest run home. Mm. Uh, and, you know, not all the time you want to finish top of the table. Not a lot of teams who finish top win the flag. And even two weeks ago, I think I said that they looked a little bit leggy. I said maybe you want to rest a few because it's hard to maintain this all the way through. I don't think it's a huge worry. It's a worry they haven't been able to score as frequently as they were and defensively they, they don't look as stable as they were. Max Gorn isn't getting back. He pl- mm. actually played more up forward. I like it when he get, when he drops back there. And, you know, Maybe they're putting a little bit too much faith in Jackson to try and play that mm. corn roll. I don't know, but it's not a huge worry for me. I mean, a lot of people are saying that. Oh, they're saying we should bring back Ben Brown and we should we should, no, we well, should change everything. We should flip it on its head. Ben Brown, I wouldn't mind to get in because they've, they've got, you know, they've left him in the VFL. He's a, he's a good player. If you need to kick goals, get a hmm. forward in there. But I don't think the wall the walls, I don't think the wheels have fallen off yet. Yeah. But no, to get I'm back, so are you worried? Uh, about I'm Melbourne. not yeah. worried about Melbourne yet. You know who you call also does it win premierships? Teams that finish eighth. Or even worse, ninth. Oh, classic. Oh, classic absolute thing. gags here. From <laughs> anyway, my hero and my highlight here are the Giants, in fact, not the Ds. We got yeah, slightly derailed there, but that's, that's okay. No, we're just going through your pessimistic path that yeah. you just like to And uh, interestingly enough, this year it's been usually a case for the Giants bounce back when, you know, the injury tolls take on the senior players. But this week it was more about the senior players. It was the Tarantos, the hey, Kellys. Sorry, the- they dropped Matt DeBoer, though. Matt DeBoer got dropped. Did he get dropped or did he get... Do they just go, we're not going to use you as a tagger against anyone in Melbourne this week? Oh, yeah, I think it just got omitted. Like, dropped. I was shocked when I saw that. Mm. But I don't know. Maybe it was a statement that needed to be made. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's backing, maybe Cameron's backing in creativity over um, defensive maybe. prowess. Maybe. He's more than just a tagger, Gordo. That's another pessimistic view. He does more than just tag. <laughs> uh, but yeah, words in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a nice even spread there. So you had uh, Kelly, Taranto, Green, Ward, Perryman and Hopper. Uh, as, and Whitfield, all over 20 or yeah. on 20 disposals. So a great spread from a giant side that is keeping their funnels hunt alive. You can alive. usually tell. And they're now in the eight. Sorry to yeah. cut you off. Uh, you can usually tell when GWS are on or off. Like if they're leading at quarter time. If they kick it through the big sticks, you know. Yeah. Generally. <laughs> they're leading on the on Well, because you don't know. You don't know what giant side you're going to get every week. Yeah, you're going to get that side that just That's tore true. apart Melbourne or you're going to get the ones true. that lost to Hawthorne. But hey, Josh Kelly though, how good's he been? Yes, he's, he's been, good he's when he wants to be. Yeah, well, he wants to be good now. Yeah, he's exactly. Playing very, very he good is. football. Yep. Nico, uh, continuing the pessimistic theme we've got here and the negativity that Gordo's brought into the show, what's your low light? Have I gone with you? No, no I need to ask you about your highlight. My highlight. Well, um, yeah, it'll probably be, it I'll, is a bit negative Gordo's, for you, Jimmy. Gordo will change it into a low light. Don't worry, go. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's negative for you, Jimmy, because I'm rewinding back to Thursday night and saying Gold Coast. I know we've already touched on them with the Took Miller performance. <laughs> They were they were truly my highlight of the weekend of because, they were. mate. I mean, I'm sorry, but yeah, no, you, no, you they do. did register ten extra shots than Richmond. I mean, like it's yeah. not like they stole victory over the reigning premiers. No, no, they outplayed Richmond on their home deck wow. or at Marvel yeah. Stadium, home away from home. But no, okay, the soulless Marvel <laughs> Stadium, the soulless Marvel Stadium that <laughs> Richmond fans don't want to turn up to. But yeah. No, they, they were brilliant Gold Coast. Um, they showed up for the big occasion like Jimmy touched on before. And mm-hmm. lucky you had Tom Lynch returning that night because he did kick half of your goals and it could have been a lot uglier he did, he did. than he could, that. He could have kicked a bit straighter, could have stolen it. But that's no, 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 they didn't deserve that result. 
no, uh, they Richmond were didn't. extremely poor. They look fumbly. They look, they look exhausted. Com- they look mentally drained. Mentally drained. Spent. They don't look confident. Mine. I said it at the start of the season to you, mate. I said last year, 2020 would have taken a lot out of Richmond. The whole hubs, you guys really pushed um, mm. all the way. You, you did the long route to the grand final, obviously losing the first week. Um, even in the grand final, your first half wasn't great, but you pushed on even further just to get over the line, played well. And, and then this year you have to do it all again. And That's true. Like it, I just think it would have taken a lot out of you and it's starting to show now. You, you're not wow. that Richmond, famous it, Richmond pressure is gone. It looks to have gone, but it doesn't mean it's gone forever. And every loss is a gift, Nico. And we've had a lot of presents this year. And but did you hear what I, Dimmer said last week? Their the lack of their lacking confidence. What, what what else did he say? No, he said in the pre-match that oh, yeah, this was their actually, biggest no, match no, of the I, season. I watched the pre-match. He said, yeah. "I'm giving a bit away here." I think yeah. he said, um, "This is." Our biggest match of the season. Yeah. He wanted they, to see the Tiger Evolve come back. Of course he And did. they didn't. And there was so what does that tell you? lack of confidence. And the injuries uh, are starting to pile up as well. It was bad. Injuries pile up. But it's good. You know why this is good, Nico? Because mm. we probably had 80% of people just riding the Tigers off I know, when they lost the to the Saints. Time, and then when they lose to the Suns, the rest of the 20% jumped off. <laughs> Actually, 19%. That 1% left. Is I'm you. In there. Yeah. And okay, I'm, I'm shocked up. because I'm part of the one percent, and they have Tigers, a super they cushy ride home. The Tigers will make the eight, That's and what, when they are in the eight, anything can happen. So their run home isn't as easy as what everyone's saying. Well, All Bruce, of a sudden, there's Bridgman and Geelong in there. Exactly. All of a sudden, you know, after a couple of losses, it's looking a lot harder than when it was before because you do have to still play Brisbane and Geelong. There's not much room for error. Mm. That's true. And you well, have to win, That's and, fine. and then you have to go. Have a perfect September as well to win the flag. Yeah, and they I might just, don't just think do it. You can't do it. I know, you've already put the line through. You made a big scene last week. We anyone. understand. <laughs> Gordo, what was your low light? Uh, my low light, <laughs> speaking of teams that can take the spot on the eight, is uh, yeah. it was Frio. You know, wasted an opportunity. Wasted an opportunity. Is this? Is he putting the line through Frio? No, I'm not like you, Matt. I don't just go up putting lines through the people <laughs> willy-nilly. Whilst there's games in the bank, like anything can happen, especially whilst Richmond is still losing. Sides like they, the Gold Coast. Oh, I just Suns. thought because they were your low light. Well, they're my low light because they missed an opportunity. Mm. And so everyone's lauding the fact that Carlton beat beat Freo, and I'm like, you know what, fair cop. But Freo, if they think that they're a top eight side, and I thought they were a top eight side this year, this, these are the games that you must win and you must bank from those positions. And mm. when you, when they, they really dominated three, you know, as we said, Carlton will play one good quarter of footy. And then they'll let you back into the game. And Carlton yeah. had a great first quarter and then they let Freo back into the game. And Freo dominated territory in the, in the last three quarters of that match and just failed to convert on the scoreboard. And mm-hmm. even a 14 to 11 inside 50 count in the last quarter for no goals. And mm-hmm. it's it's not just their inaccuracy, which everyone's going to as the easy stat to pull up. Yes, they kicked 8-16, but really their issue isn't their, just their goal-kicking accuracy. It's where they're trying to kick their shots from. It's how they enter inside 50. Everything that's not defence for Freo is still a little bit haphazard and whilst, you know, most often mm. foundations are built on defence, they need to start looking at their attack and thinking, do we need different players? Do we need – and, yes, they've had injuries, and, yes, they've had all the excuses every other club has had. But uh, that's a really sad, really sad performance, especially against a side like Carlton who will let you score at will if you have any sort of kind of – At will. At will. <laughs> Uh, if uh, they have any sort of kind of attacking formation or systems. Mm, I agree. Yeah, well, it's a big call from you because you were one of their biggest believers. What I liked from Carlton, though, was that in the last quarter, yes, Fremantle were attacking, but they beat them in contested ball and they stepped up in the end to try and save that game. They out-tackled them in the third quarter pretty hard. 
I mean, there was signs there that it was a good contest. As as we always know, Carlton will let you in because mm. they can't sustain it, um, which is unfortunate. Actually, Dennis Armfield, if you're listening, he was speaking about the fact that Carlton might have too many players who want to be the hero or want to be individuals. They've only, you know, role players don't really exist that much. There's probably a couple throughout uh, from Jones and I think Kerno he mentioned. But, you know, other than that, it, like you need to see selfless footy. And I think when you go into like the contested ball, getting it in and under, you know, that's, that's the Carlton that you want to see. I like Paddy Dow as well. The, lately he's been very good and you've been very harsh on him, Nick, very critical mm. of Paddy Dow. And I think you should, uh, I, 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 you still I still don't want to read into that win from Carlton though. Okay. It, it's, it's another team that's outside of the, the top eight that they beat. We still haven't seen them beat yeah. a top dog. You know, no, we haven't. Be- well, like we they're said, not going to beat top dog. We so haven't picked them in the eight. Exactly. They're not there yet. So right, I mean, Nick. we can't judge them. What was your low light? My low light. Speaking of teams that should have won, West Coast in Geelong again. We know they went to Geelong, made the trip down there early in the season against the Cats, and lost by ninety-seven points. They hopped on a plane and flew over to that stadium again and lost again by ninety-two points. Now. That doesn't happen often in a season, especially from a team that's going to finish in the top eight. Like, that's disgusting. That was the worst performance of the weekend mm. and one of the yep. worst of the season. Is that the end of an era, Nick? Is that is that it oh, for the th- Eagles? That's it. Like, you, I mean, I'm not something's talking about obviously this wrong. year. I'm asking yeah. you going forward because they're not getting any younger, these players, and they tried that's to it, yeah. extend the window with Kelly there. Mm. Um, um oh, they they did the right thing with Kelly at the time because yeah. they were fresh off a of premiership yeah. or relatively So out of this fresh. window they've taken home one premiership when most of the years two they, grand finals a premiership I mean a premiership's still you know it's, still, it's, no, it's, it's still massive, good but so. if we you know every year that pundits are saying you know this eagle side has the best list in the competition they play every second game at home yep. and in every one of those games they get the favor of the home crowd and the free kick count mm. should they have made more of their opportunities I, th- I think it's hard for the interstate sides to win win grand finals. Harder than he is. Say we've seen almost or every. That's why Brisbane is like the all time great side. It's interstate three peat. Won't it probably ever be done ever again? And so I think they've done like to get to the grand finals that many times to to be a final success. Most teams, teams like Carlton, if they had had if you had swapped a Carlton fan with a West Coast fan, like they yeah. swapped a Carlton players for West Coast players, then you'd have you'd have some bunch of happy fans. Like yeah, and it's I not just, a wasted area. I think, era, I think but a premiership's a premiership. You've yeah. won, you've won one. That's it. That's the holy grail. Does this, do you read anything into the stadium though? Because well, I'll just I'll just the last yeah. seven. Okay, the last seven at GMHBA. All right. 2008, 99 points loss yeah. against mm-hmm. Geelong. 2010, 44 point loss. 2014, 75 point loss. 2016, 44 point loss. 2019, 58 point loss. 2021, 97 point loss against the Cats. And then the latest one, mm-hmm. 92 point loss. But that, it's they're, weird. they're playing Geelong there at home. Yeah, apart, from like the, the, apart from the Sydney say, game. Apart from the Sydney game. Yeah. So yeah. still, we're talking about a team that's. Well, supposed you know, to be West competitive Coast, during that era. Exactly. I mean, more than competitive, they were contenders at one that's point. Bad. During what, that era. What's bad about the West Coast thing as well is that they, once they they're out of a game, bullies. like once they're out of a game, they give it's up. Like, what the what the hell are they doing? Like it was over. They shouldn't. Sydney are not much that much better of a side no. than, than West if Coast. If anything, West Coast. Like, I mean, we thought they we thought would on be paper, better. That's yeah. right. That was that was a fair enough low light. And especially after the week they had last week, West Coast losing at home by fifty points to the Dogs. You mm. know, you would expect them to come out firing this yeah. week, and they didn't. I think the no. two losses back to back confirm 
systematic changes need to be made versus just that yeah. massive loss to Sydney, all yeah. their performance. Well, the line is well and truly through the Eagles now. Oh, oh. you already put oh, them I mean, they, I'm, you had I'm through. saying, you had yeah, they seven weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nick um, and Gordo, I wanted, there's a couple of questions I want to ask you boys. Okay. So first, as we speak today, a couple of hours ago, the news came out, Sam Mitchell will take over as head coach of Hawthorne in 2023. Um, mm. With a succession plan taken out from Clarko, are you very interesting for you? Are you happy with that, Nicholas? It's uh, I'm shocked because of how early it's come out, but I'm also not surprised that it's Sam Mitchell. I think everyone knew it was coming. It's sad to see Clarko move on. It will be sad when the time comes. But as the saying goes, mate, what? you got to evolve or die. Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> it's time for Hawthorne to evolve. I mean, after next year, it's 18 years Clarko's been at the helm. and So why does he stay for one more then? Why does he need to stay for one more? I mean, his contract ends in 2022. I guess they find that it's just the right time to end. And as stated in Jeff Kennett's letter, he made it pretty clear that no one was pushing Clarkson out. Yeah, it was Clarkson I, approaching them to my make the decision. Reaction, and I hate to speculate, you know me. Um, I do, and as Gordo laughs, but it's true. I don't like to speculate. Um, the, behind no. the scenes, things happen. Okay, Correct. looking at it from the outside immediately, you think mm-hmm. because we all know how much Clarko uh, has an impact on all decisions around that club, everything down to social media to the to the the drinks on the field during okay. training. Go on. So yeah. many he he makes calls. He, he is the club Clarko, so it's hard to imagine that he wouldn't be on board with this decision, or he hasn't made the decision as well. But when you read Jeff's letter, you know, and he says things like we have to put our emotions aside and make the tough call, the right calls, that sort of thing. It's around the language like maybe it was more of our choice than Clarko's choice. I don't know. Well, don't Clarkson know. brought the idea, well, according to Apparently him anyway. He brought the he idea. He brought up. the idea to him. It went through Rob McCartney, the operations manager. He brought it up to the CEO and then Justin Reeves brought it up to Kenneth. And then Kenneth discussed it in the board meeting a couple of weeks ago. So, and then that's when they said they came up with a decision that okay, let's not extend Clarkson's mm. contract is and it, is let's it any let him write it out. That yesterday, um, Sam Mitchell's pulled out of the the, the Collingwood. Oh, they um, yeah. running? Well, no, absolutely no day. coincidence. He's pulled out of the running because he got the Hawthorne. Job. Yeah, it was two weeks ago. They just didn't want to bring it up last week because yeah, yeah. of the Burgoyne game. They didn't want it to take yep. the spotlight. Uh, what I mean is the timing of this succession plan. Yeah, hundred percent. Is, 100%. is yeah, to, is to it, make sure yeah. that Sam Mitchell That's didn't go to Collingwood. Didn't go to Collingwood. That's uh, right. absolutely because yeah. I, I mean, you're not going to like this, Jimmy, because I know you're not very fond of Mitchell, but he is a highly regarded coach, and they knew other clubs were going to come, uh, come, come knocking. Him. Yeah. And they had to time up, so they had to make the decision now, especially with Cla- uh, Collingwood looking for another coach. Uh, yeah, they There's had no to doubt do that Sam Mitchell is one of the smartest men in footy. He is. There's yeah. no doubt. We've spoken to him. I think a, a large part of coaching is is player management and, and your Which he's also highly regarded for. Yeah, apparently. And, um, you know, <laughs> that, I think that might be tested. There's no doubt he's a smart man, and um, especially when the cameras are on, he can, he can do his stuff in front of them and... And he looks like he's, he's a great got a bit of. He's, he's not very fond of Sammy. He's no, got a bit of the Nathan Buckley's about me. I Sam didn't say early Nathan, door. Speaking, early door Nathan Buckley. Speaking of Nathan Buckley, I've yeah. already seen a lot of stuff on Twitter that um, people are already comparing this to the Nathan Buckley takeover of the Mick Malthouse era. Of course, because it's one club legend. But they're, they're, I, yeah, exactly. But it, it is in no way, shape, or form the same because because no, you guys aren't aren't successful. I mean, no. Buckley Buckley was given a five-year contract at Collingwood straight off the bat, which is a lot for 
as someone who doesn't have experience. And two of those years was for assistant coaching and then three straight off the bat to uh, coach Collingwood. Yeah. Now, Mitchell, I think I've discussed it with you guys before. I'm not sure on this podcast, but he was – I know this is a fact that he was the only player during his time at Hawthorne in the latter stages, he was the only player in the AFL undertaking a coaching course uh, while he was at Hawthorne. And then, obviously, he moved away to Hawthorne, did the whole player coaching thing, thing at West Coast for two years, uh, coached their midfield in their premiership winning year. Came back to Hawthorne. He's been there now for three years. He's uh, he was assistant coach to Clarkson. He's um, play development manager now. He's coaching Box Hill. He'll be continuing that next year as well. Mm. And I think altogether it's going to be like okay, he's got five years experience or six if you want to include that first year yeah, at no, West that's Coast. Great. He's, he's the got the experience. That, that's fine. But and every he's the single coach that Clarkson. has come into a new job, there's never. It's all positive talk. It doesn't matter who it is coming in. That you always look at the 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 the, the pros rather than yeah. I'm just saying. It's always going to happen. Yeah, the other other difference too though is that is that he has the opportunity to grow a list and to, to build from the bottom up, whereas... He's not taken Buckley, over... A, Buckley took over from a, like a premiership when he decided that was meant to win you know, yeah. the next three. You know, mm. if, say it, it wasn't Clarko's choice, that next year is going to be a bit frosty, isn't it? Why does It'd he stay? I don't understand it why, be, if, why does if he, he stay? Did, if he didn't make that choice himself, oh. next year's not going to be that fun. I mean, we saw, you know, worst fold Rutten. That wasn't a really good combination mm. when they were taken over. Mm. Now that Rutten's got his own team and he's the man in charge by himself... Yep. Look how they're responding. Yeah. I, 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 I think anyway. it's all about the transition period because uh, obviously uh, Mitchell gets to develop one more year at Box Hill and under Clarko's wing as well. So gives him an extra year to develop. It's all about that transitional period. And the same is happening across the board. Kenneth's, um, yeah, Kenneth's gone at the end of 2023. They've already got someone in place to replace him. So, uh, yeah, all these key pillars around Hawthorne, they, they yeah, it all sounds it great. The, Fantastic. I'm hey, just saying, I, in the next boys, five, ten years. <laughs> big question. Uh, what would you rather see, right? After a loss, would you rather see your team um, shaking hands with the opposition, having a laugh with them, oh, yeah, no, nah, all good, or would you rather see your players complaining with the um, complaining to the umpire? Well, you don't, you don't ever want to see a loss, but if you had to pick one. If you had to pick one because you they see both laughing, happen on the weekend. You want to see them laughing. You, you would rather be Essendon with Darcy Parrish being like, oh, I got 44 touches and another oh, best actually, on. Yeah, I think it was more Heppel and yeah. others yeah. having a laugh with the Geelong players yeah. after the game. Yeah, I don't like to see it. You don't like just, to see that? Just and back but if you had to rooms. choose one or the other... Your players, your players going at the arms is not, is not a good look. It's well, immature. That's, see, that's, that's sucking okay. lemons. That's okay, maybe. No, that's fair enough. Each to their own. Don't agree with you. Mm. But Robbo, Robbo wrote that he would rather the Jack Rewalt action of complaining to the umpire because it showed that it means something. Like he was so frustrated with that result. He would so rather why, see that. But why take it to the umpire? Well, because yeah. there was a couple of uh, well, what's, umpire but what's, decisions. But what's Heppel going to do if he goes to the umpire? Oh, we, no, we lost by a 44. That's what I mean. I also don't think they're win. comparable You'd events. rather see none, to be fair. But Absolutely. You'd rather your team wins. You'd rather your team win. But if you had to pick one, so Nico's going with the Rewald. Oh, no. Yeah, Rewald, definitely. I think that's. And you're going with the Essendon. I'm going with the Rewald. Lose with class. Nice. All right. Early prediction, boys. North, have they shown enough to prove that next season they won't be in the bottom three? Well, the funny thing about, about football is that you have to replace someone. So if yeah, they don't finish last, someone else has to someone finish, else last. finish last. Someone else has to finish last. Have they, the have they jumped anyone? Have they actually, well, have they jumped 
Because Adelaide, Adelaide jumped, jumped Collingwood. Yeah, well, Hawthorne's in now in the in the tra- transition uh, period. Other than Gold Coast performance on Thursday, have they jumped Gold Coast? Like, I'm asking you the question. I don't think they have. I okay, think they're, they're a 64 percentile uh, result for a season leaves you a lot of like that's a, not a very good predictor. And I think mm. percentage is, is probably the best for next season predictor more than wins and losses because you can you can jag the three pointer or you can jag the, yeah. the really close win or loss. It's it's not very often a team finishes at the bottom of the ladder back to back. But I think oh, So no, you're no, picking north this year and next year. Yeah. No, it's not very often. So you think it's no, not no, very no, often. You said then you said but. So I was I'm sure saying was. but they'll probably finish bottom three. I don't think they'll oh, finish last yeah, next yeah. year. Okay. But they'll yeah. be around the bottom three. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it will be a bad result for any club that finishes below North next year, based on like where everyone it else will is be, at. But you, you should like Adelaide. Adelaide should, take should, should has taken the next step. Collingwood surely with that list can't go any lower. Hawthorne, you know, building for a down the dynasty apparently, <laughs> and like surely Gold Coast hasn't fall back to the bottom. I've liked. Uh, I've liked there's always what someone they've done though, North. I've, there's I've always liked their competitiveness. Yeah. And and you've been bashing them all year, so of Unique and they're uh, competitive, just, but their list isn't that good. Yeah, no, that's true. That is true. You can be you can be competitive and lose yep. Yep. very regularly, uh, and agree. that's what they've done. I agree. Last question: mm-hmm. um, Is Tom Hawkins the best forward in the league? What do you want from your best forward? Is it just about goals? Or is it about goals, the whole package? Yes, the whole package. The whole I think package. he's Not the easy. I think he's the smartest and most versatile key forward in the league. That's a that's a really long winded way to He's say. He's a player it. you'd want Kinda. in your side. Every team would want a Tom oh, Hawkins in yeah. their side. Well, I, I think. Ridiculous. Do you want? You probably wanted Hawkins before you want a Lynch, for instance. Yeah. Because he does everything. Uh, yeah. He does yeah, no, everything. He does everything. Yeah. Um, he's, he's he's unbelievable. Even just for honest. his ruck work in the forward fifty alone. Oh, when he pulls it out and, and kicks it. Yeah. And still, some teams don't go to homework on that, yeah. which is odd. But no, he yeah, he's kicked thirty seven this year. You you'd probably you like Aaron Norton. I do. I think he's. You'd the rather next have Aaron Norton. I mean, right now, well, if you take age into consideration, absolutely. Right now, the yeah, to win a grand final, player, who are you picking? Mm. You got one of them. If you could, if 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 Geelong and, yeah. and Western Bulldogs are saying like, let's have a swap, yeah, you're picking. We'll give you, we'll give you Hawkins. We don't rate him that much. If you give us Norton, no, I'm sticking with because no, you, you want the future. But I'm saying for one game, if you're playing for the a grand final, final series, this week, and the doggies okay. and the cats get to swap players. I know it's hard. Um, this you, is a lot of hypotheticals. <laughs> it, it's hard. <laughs> And it's windy. I think Norton's <laughs> a freak. I think Norton's a freak. And it's raining on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> He's a contestant, Mark. But that's based. probably the point, though. When you say it, as soon as it starts to rain, that makes Hawkins much, much more. Yeah, I, no, I'm much, going. I'm going much more versatile. You stick with Norton. Okay, Hawkins for me, best best forward in the league. Uh, all right, Chris Horvath. He tweeted in. Surely you've jumped off the Tigers now, Jim. No, I already mentioned that. I haven't jumped off him yet. I told you I'm going to stick by my boys. So what if they lose again this week to Collingwood? I'm going to stick with them as until they're mathematically, mathematically impossible. Impossible. impossible to win. To, to, to make crazy. And then you'll melt your membership, crazy. won't you? Oh, maybe we'll see. Maybe no. maybe spit on the players as well as they walk off the field no, like he's I used to do. do or just I, don't oh, turn what, up. Did I do that, Nicholas? No, no I'm not I saying you did that, it, Nicholas. but people that is wearing those colours. One person did that and they got suspended for life, okay? Gonna, yeah, you want to tarnish yourself with the same brush? <laughs> God, I was already in a bad mood coming into this. <laughs> it just made it worse. Oh, God. All right, Sean Knowles, uh, thanks for writing in. I appreciate it, mate. You're a good bloke. What do you boys think of the AFL rich list? I'm going to go first. I don't think that wages should be made public. I don't think that's something we need to know. Um, we don't. We don't. You don't need to know. You don't need wages, to know, okay? but I think as and fans and supporters, you're interested. You'd like to know. But you know what? It implement it, it. It influences the way that p- 
people report on players and the extra pressure that they go through, they're already gone through enough. So if you're going to, you know, if just because you know Zach Williams' price tag, he gets treated more harshly just because of that, okay? okay. He's not trying to play a bad game. And it's hard, it's hard when you come you're into a new system. Close, you're, you're getting paid I close know. to a million dollars a year. That's I fine, mean, Nico. You got to take the bad. Is it his fault? But there are a lot of it's million dollar. Fault, though, mate. No, there are a lot of million dollar fault. people in the world that don't have to go to the same just because they get paid a million dollars. Don't get held to the same account in their own jobs. I mean, and and you, no one's yes, paying. Yes, they can. I mean, we do with yeah, other sports. No, no, with other sports, sports, but like other jobs. But they're privately owned. They're privately owned as well, Nico. This is we're not privately owned clubs. Like this is not. It needs to be public record. Like. I think they're enough under enough scrutiny now. They don't need to, their their wage to be public to say, you know, every time he missed a kick, like Tom Boyd, that ended his career early. That was a big impact of that because of his wage and his price tag. Okay, a lot of players go through that as well because of their price tag. It's harder to perform under that much scrutiny. And if you've got every week someone mentioning your wage, there is not an article that has been written this year about Zach Williams that hasn't mentioned about eight hundred grand a year that he's earning, which makes it tougher for him. I don't think it needs to be. That's my opinion. What do you reckon? No, I'd agree with that. And there's no, I think the if we changed it tomorrow, the the AFL media isn't mature enough to deal with that yet. Like as much as it's you know everyone knows the contracts, contracts are public in the US sports. They've been doing that from from day dot basically, and so they know a lot of the time it's not the player that gets blamed because they're like, go get your money. Like that's, but it's that's also, your job. Yeah. It's the it's the club that's saying, well, why like Carlton would be getting admonished in the US media saying, well, why did you spend 800000 on that, Zach That Williams? is true. But, you know, it, it's kind of funny because at that point when they're earning like tens of millions, it gets to a point where you're like, oh, well, you know, it's not even half relatable. So it's like, yeah, they're earning that much anyway. Mm. Yeah, it's like everyone is is above. If it's kind of like you go from two hundred grand a year to like eight hundred grand a year, then you're kind of like, what the hell? Like this bloke's get, you know. Yeah. It's a different in Australia it's different. Yeah. But oh, yeah. I still think I understand. I just think uh blocking out the noise, the outside noise, the media, the fans, it's all a part of being an athlete. That's your view and you can take it. <laughs> Thanks boys. Appreciate your company. Uh, apart from Nick's, sometimes uh, it's okay <laughs> to just have a have a nice conversation. You know, we had a we good don't one have today. to be at each other's throats all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's true. I enjoy it when we are there. I enjoyed your company as well, listener. Hashtag the gym session to get involved, please. And uh, I hope your team wins this week. And unless you go for the pies, because the Tigers need this four points. Thank you, guys. <laughs>